0: I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you're listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. And today we're going to keep the countdown rolling. Uh, we're, we've are we been running down both of our top 100 video game lists of all time. Uh, disclaimer again for anybody who hasn't joined in on the previous episodes. You definitely should go look back at uh, the last three episodes. We're on to episode four of this at this point? Yep, 85 to 81 I believe. Yeah. Uh, the disclaimer there is, as, as usual for lists like this, these aren't the greatest games of all time based upon the internet opinion. They aren't the most, you know, uh, what am I looking critically for acclaimed. here? Well, not criti- the most critically acclaimed. Well, critically acclaimed games—they're our favorites, basically. Critically acclaimed, most like historically important. None of that stuff. So these are just our favorite, top 100 favorite games that we've played over the years, and you know, it's probably bound to change. I mean, video games right now are an embarrassment of riches. We get way more games per year than we ever did. That's for sure. So it's definitely interesting to make this list, and I've already made a couple of adjustments since we made we created our list probably a few months ago, and Buck, I'm oh, sure you're probably there. the same. So Yeah, absolutely. It's been a good year, let's just put it that way. It's <laughs> a good year to be a gamer. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and get started. You said we're, we're on 85, that you said? Yep, number right. 85. I don't know who went last time, so I'm going to go first. Uh, so I'm going to go with a side-scrolling shooter uh, and definitely repping the Saturn right out of the gate here, and that is going to be Darius Gaydon. That's a classic on that console if I've ever heard of one, and one that, you know, when people talk about the Saturn, I think it's poorly represented in the catalog. You think that the Saturn's poorly represented or Darius Gaiden's poorly represented of the Saturn I, catalog? I think just like my verbiage explaining it is poorly represented based upon <laughs> how I feel about it. No, I think Darius Gaiden is a is a really high-quality game that doesn't get brought up in the conversation of just like the top echelon of Saturn titles. No, I totally agree with that. The Darius series in general doesn't get enough love. 100%. And Darius Gaiden was, I believe it was the first... Or not, obviously it wasn't the first title in this series, but it was the game that came out before what I think might be your favorite, and that's G. Darius. Yes, spoiler alert, that's coming up at some point on this list, on this top 100 list. Chuck ruined it. No, that's okay. (laughs) Uh, So Darius Gaiden came out uh, for the Sega Saturn in the U.S. in 95, and then was later released in 96 for the PlayStation. Oh wow, so it came out super early in the Saturn's lifespan then. Yes, it did. It actually came out in 94 in the arcades before that, so uh, there's a lot of opportunity to play this title, and I definitely suggest it. Even though I think it's pretty uncommon to come by, and I think it's probably pretty pricey, especially with just, like, uncommon shmups. They they tend to uh, definitely hold their value, and then some at this point, especially for collectors. And I don't believe it came out in the U.S. for PlayStation, did it? I actually don't think it did, because I've never seen it yeah I feel like I one thought I own it <laughs> I thought G. Darius was the only one that came out for that console. I'm pretty sure it is for at least in North America uh my fact sheet here doesn't specify that uh <laughs> but you can play this on the uh the playstation two it got re-released on the Taito Legends Two compilation, which is probably the cheapest way to play it i I'd, I'd say it probably is yeah yeah and that's a good collection so. Uh, much like the other Darius games, it uh, it has the classic Darius branching path system where after every level you get to uh, decide your path. I can't remember if you actually pick it or if it's based upon your performance, but I'm pretty confident that you actually pick which level you want to go to next. I think in G-Darius at least, there's a, there's a point in the level where basically you stay in the top half of the screen to go one way and the bottom half of the screen to go another way. Yeah, I definitely don't think that's how this works in this one, but I know what okay. you're talking about in G. Darius. I think at the end of the level, you actually pick. Kind of like Star Fox. I yeah. think that was somehow how that worked. But uh, Darius Gaiden, if I remember absolutely correctly, I think there was 26 levels uh, that it branched through. So that's like a, like a lot of cool that's replay impressive. value. Yeah, and Darius... The Darius series had that in, in spades. I mean, like comparing it to games like uh, like Gradius and things of that nature, they were pretty linear affairs. There wasn't... Uh, a variety of levels to, uh, kind of try and find or try to just get through. And typically what happens is, uh, it branches from like one, two, three, four levels of branches. And like usually the lower on the branch you go, the more difficult it is. So it's actually kind of like a built in difficulty selector too. But, uh, definitely the replay value is, is what's awesome there. And, uh, the Darius Gate or the Darius series has always had like, pretty cool like upgrade system for me it was never quite as i always thought like the gradius series was kind of unfair in the fact that you had to have so much momentum going forward and if you died once you lost like all of your weapons (laughs) yeah it was kind of brutal darius (laughs) was never that brutal but it was a very difficult game uh, and had very interesting uh leveled uh, i don't know that level design but obviously enemy design um and all of the enemies are based on like fish and deep sea life for the most part which is Is unique does it have the capture mechanic of? i I was gonna bring that up because uh what i had forgotten is it has an early iteration of that so g darius built upon what they have they had recruitable mini bosses so based on how you killed the mini bosses like if you shot a particular part of the ship and destroyed it they would join you until you died for like the next coming levels so that was kind of like an early iteration of it, and then they took it to the next level in G Darius. Oh, nice! I did not realize that because I don't even know if I played played this one with you or not. I'm well, not you definitely sure. Definitely have,
1: definitely have. <laughs> okay. I, we've played on
0: <laughs> more than one occasion actually. Uh, and this was the first introduction of the black hole bomb, which I I don't think is something you actually have in G Darius because I think you have that like laser beam counter system. Well, you have what... the self destruct too for every every one you can steal with. Like the catching mechanic you you throw the ball out to catch him with X and then you hit X again and they just self destruct. So you have the,
1: so the ball like your... to clear out anything, oh, okay.
0: basically. Okay, very cool. So uh the the black hole bomb yeah, just basically works like your your average uh screen clearing bomb and any other shmup It it eliminates like all projectiles on the screen and gives you a few seconds of invulnerability. So strategic use is a must. But uh uh, Darius Gaiden. Uh, I always loved like the like the bosses themselves were like really cool, like three-dimensional, just giant robotic fish. And for some reason, I was like, "That's cool. That's pretty original." And I'm I'm sick of just looking at just like uh, you know just like mass-produced like mechs and just like random mechs spaceships. Or big ships, yeah. yeah. It was cool to just kind of have a, a different type of enemy that you fought, even though. A, I mean, for the most part, it's pretty standard schmup fare. But it's I just like the really well-made style. Game. Yeah, the graphical style too is cool cuz it's like a almost like a mixture of 2D and 3D. Yeah, and I think that was one of the ones that first took it into further into that 3D realm, and uh, G Darius definitely did as well. So, I mean, they're they're basically games of the same generation. So, Yeah, they're both super solid titles, that's for sure. Yeah. And definitely I think I think it's a I don't think Darius gets brought up quite often enough and just like, like I said in the, the top Saturn titles, but just even in shmups in general, I think it kind of gets the short end of the stick, but that's just my opinion. I don't remember, is there anything in the series after G Darius? Yeah, there's a Darius, uh, it's there's that one on the PS3, PS4, it's called uh, Darius, like, it's not Infinite, uh the vs. Capcom trailer. No, it's, I I don't know I feel bad that I can't remember what it is but it's one that it, it's based on a, obviously an arcade cab and it's got like 3000 levels built into it it's Oh wow it's crazy ridiculous um it does have you know that like well built single player experience but it also has uh some very interesting mass generated level variety and you kind of have like this big campaign mode where you go from like uh space to space Trying to go through these these levels that have like specified enemies, specified bosses, and you go for high scores on these specific levels that are shared on the cabinet itself. Um, and the the console titles uh recreate that on in an online environment. So apparently it's Darius Burst CS. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, uh, Chronicles Savior is what it is. Well, I don't know how I didn't know about this game, but I gotta check that out. Dude, that came out like four like, man, I don't. Five I just years ago, it's like two hundred dollars for copy of the limited run games edition. Version. Oh well, that's <laughs> for sure. But it's a, it. Otherwise, it's digital. Yeah, I got mine okay. digital. It was like fifty bucks when it came out. But it's a it's a good game. There's there's a lot to do if you're into it. Plus, they had a ton of DLC that introduced like uh, different ships from different games in the shmup genre. So they brought different ships in, and you could use them during different particular parts of the content. So that was cool too. And they all had their like own different mechanics from their old games. Yeah. Brought over. It's so it's awesome. like this really cool compilation. kind of it basically is your Marvel vs. Capcom. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I gotta check that out now. That's cool. Yep. It goes on discount pretty often too, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah, not not gonna pay fifty for it, but you know, those Playstation sales are real, so Yeah they are. Yeah they are. So Darius Gaden, it's awesome. Check it out. <laughs> Well, the first one, uh, number 85, for me, is going to be a game that um, we both put a fair amount of time into. I'd say I probably played it more than you. I don't know if you Three uh, Dirty beat it worlds. or not. Well, that's a classic on the Saturn, but it's not that. Oh, okay. We put of most of that time in at the same time. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I was thinking more like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, the, the superior version of Final Fantasy Tactics in my eyes. And we're talking about the original, not the second one, right? Yes, because I haven't played the second one. That me, might be amazing. I don't know. Me, me neither. I don't know. But that is a fantastic title. I feel like we've already talked about that on the podcast. We did. We talked <laughs> about it in a, in a different episode. I don't remember about what. But... but we need to talk about it again. It deserves the love. Well, absolutely. It's a, just a refinement of the other tactics that um, get so much love and... I know the story itself was was dumbed down, but I think uh, the story of the original Tactic was so convoluted and took itself a little bit too seriously. I think I actually like it better than the just the storybook version of the Tactics Advance. Yeah, it's pretty silly actually. It doesn't it doesn't take itself seriously. It's it's actually more in line with the Final Fantasy series in general. Yeah, you're in basically like a storybook. You get sucked into it. And it just kind of goes from there. Is, with, is uh, that the is that the one that starts with like the first battles? You just like throwing snowballs at your friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in like a schoolyard throwing snowballs at each other. It's like, kind of like a Christmas story, and you just get shoved into the the storybook, and then you go into the world of Final Fantasy uh, 12 and 14, basically the uh, the world of what's is that Ivalice or Yes, I think. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think it's Ivalice is how you pronounce it. It's Ivalice. It's nice. not evilus for sure. <laughs> that's, no, That sounds like a disease. <laughs> it's not the world of syphilis. <laughs> no, no. That's a world we don't need to be a part of. Exactly. definitely doesn't need to be distributed on the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> but uh, Tactics Advance was awesome. I think they just, like I said, built upon what they had. I remember... Um, Everything was pretty awesome about it. I remember you had like a uh, what the heck was that little Moogle's name? Was it Blanc or Mount Blanc? Do you remember? That sounds familiar, but I don't remember if that was the the Moogle from that game. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think it was. And the Moogle's, I just remember like the character designs. He looks kind of weird. He looks almost more like a rabbit. Yeah, he kind of does. Because they can join your party and stuff too, can't they? Yeah, he's like a main story character. Like yeah. you can have you have regular. Um, just of the random creatures join your party, like the crocodile-looking guys and all the other weird characters that are in that game that I can't think of that look cool, weird-looking animals. Oh, the guys, they're, they're in Final Fantasy XII. Uh, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, I don't remember what they're called either. Yeah, I mean, basically, it took, like, the world from Final Fantasy XII and then later it would be the world of 14, and threw it into a tactics game, and the only... Well, I guess one way they made it interesting or annoying the same way was the judge. You wanna talk a little bit about the judge and the good old judge system they had? <sighs> yeah, that was pretty annoying. I don't ever remember that like being something that I was like, oh yeah, this I'm glad this is here. So if I remember correctly, at the at the beginning of every battle, they would have I can't remember if it was, like, one or two, like, specific. I think it started as one, and then it it was two later in the game. They had two things you couldn't do. Yes, it was just (laughs) like, oh, you can't cast a Thundaga spell. Or you can't do uh, regular attacks. And I'm just like, well, my party's built around physical attacks right now. Well, that kind (laughs) of sucks. Well, a lot of times, too, it was just, It'd be something random, and I'd be like, okay, that's fine. I'd just totally forget about it. And then I'd cast, like you said, like, Thundaga or something, not even thinking about it, like, a half hour into a battle. And then you hear a whistle blow, and your dude just gets taken to jail. It, it, you're going to have to remind me exactly what happens when you do that. They get taken to jail. Are they, like, is it, like, um kind of, like, Make being in the box in hockey, where they're gone for, like, a few, <laughs> a few, um, uh, Moves or something oh no, like that. they're uh, they're removed they're... from the battle immediately, and after the battle ends, you have to go to jail and bail them out. Oh yeah, you got to pay money. That's right.
1: Forgot yeah. About that. And
0: they're they're not gone for like a turn or two. They're gone the rest of the battle. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I didn't love that. I didn't. And and, and just like you said, they they'd, they'd kind of just like mention it in the mission briefing, and then you never thought about it until you fucked up. <laughs> yeah or was... until like they, they'd have actual like story battles just to make them harder and like you said they'd have like you can't use physical attacks or something that would like go along with the story element or to make a battle harder but i'd end up screwing up on just the random could it even be like a random battle of just you can't use thunder and then i'd use it and it's like oh he's going in the box going to jail yeah and, and while that sounds super annoying and it, it kind of is especially when you're just kind of Especially with a game that's just like as customizable uh, as, as Tactics is, uh, because obviously it has the the standard Final Fantasy job system that you get to tinker around with and build your party around. Um, there are so many options for combat in that game. I think there's is there like twenty jobs or something like that. I don't. There's to... at least that plus all the different. There's at least four or five different races, and they have different, you know, excel at different things and have different stats. So some of them are more geared toward, you know, physical or magic or whatever the case is. So there's a, there's more customization there is actually in the original tactics. And I actually like the art style way better too. It has a more, you know, storybook, I guess anime-esque. Not really, just more like a storybook art style. I think it looks cooler. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, but it does look cool. Like I think both of them look pretty awesome. And I think a a big part of why the original maybe looks better is just cuz it's not on the handheld. It could easily be. I think I just like the uh the bright colors and everything. It makes it pop more, which makes sense being on a handheld there. I think it I prefer that style versus the dark and dreary world of the original tactics. Yeah, they're two very different uh just different like emotional qualities to them. One's a very dark story, one is very not story. so much yeah <laughs> it it basically is like and like I you said it's like a story. storybook uh but like we were saying that judge system as long as you are like keeping you know a, a vast amount of characters with like different combat roles they let you know those scenarios where your characters are going to go to jail before the battle starts so you can customize your party to kind of work around that as best you can but if you're if you're like Anybody else, and you're just like, you know, you're just grinding to get some levels or something like that, and you're just trying to get through the battles really quickly, you might, you might forget about that. And one of the very best things about Tactics Advance over the original is battles are, they seem to be much shorter. And the reason for that is because it's a, it's a portable game. So everything is kind of, uh, condensed into just like a fine line. Yeah, I've never understood why Fire Emblem never kind of took that approach into account because the freaking, like, a Fire Emblem level on whatever handheld system it's on will still last, like, an hour. Like you said, Tactics Advance, usually it's, you know, 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes. Yeah. And that's a huge plus in my book. Oh, 100%. And, it, I mean, every everything's quick clip. The the stages aren't that big. They're usually uh, smaller. So, and I think also, there may be less units on the battlefield than there were in the original. I don't I, I don't remember specifically, but that seems to stick I out think in my it's mind. A, I think it's about the same as far as party wise, but again it's been I played this for a little while on a just like an emulator not that long ago, but I haven't played my original copy in probably since like two thousand four. Oh yeah, so you're you're going off uh, just pure nostalgia off this one. Absolutely. And when I played it on the emulator uh, I played it for like, <coughs> excuse me, a couple hours and didn't get uh, super far into it. I just had like, a, I have a hacked SNES Classic just with a bunch of crap load on there. I just played Tactics for a little while and had a good time with it, but I don't remember the party size limit. Oh, that, oh, that's okay. But if you guys love the original Tactics on the PS1, there's no reason you wouldn't enjoy it. Probably either one of them on the Game Boy Advance. Or actually, is yeah, Advance I mean, 2 on the DS? I can't remember. It is, and I actually want to get that game soon. I'd like to. I actually looked it up on eBay. and It's not that expensive, so that what? might be one I look into pretty soon. Well, you need to get it, and you need to email Square and just be like, what are you doing? Why haven't they put out another game since that one? Seriously, that would be spend money. It is licensed. Everybody left that series. That's like one of the few series that they haven't messed up, so maybe I don't want them to bring it back. Maybe <laughs> I it feel does. like that was one of the best-selling uh, PSP titles too, The War of the Lions remaster, the original. It could have been. It was a it was a good re-release, that's for sure. They didn't uh, they didn't just straight port it, so that was nice. Yeah, that that console had a ridiculous amount of RPGs and strategy RPGs. Very but true. Yeah, getting back to Tactics Advanced, fantastic game. Anyone who hasn't checked it out definitely should give it the time of day, and I think. If you like the original you'll like advance i know i do i know i do well let's keep the gravy train going with the game boy advance because right. i like talking about it because it's a great console the next one i'm gonna give konami a little bit of love here oh it's about time right we knew i'd hit it eventually huge castlevania fan so why not lead it off with of what is potentially my least favorite Castlevania game on the Game Boy Advance and, and many people's, but I still think it's a fantastic game. and still hitting my top 100 list, and that's Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance. The second game on the Game Boy Advance uh, got released uh, September 2002, and this was the follow-up uh, to Circle of the Moon. And Konami did uh, a decent job in listening to criticism, especially with while Circle of the Moon is a fantastic game, when it came out on the original Game Boy Advance, nobody could see it. Because <laughs> there was no backlit system, and Circle of the Moon is one of the darkest games on the console. I'm sure you remember playing it like that. Oh, I remember playing I actually I love Circle of the Moon. So. I don't know, it's a yes, fantastic game. I played game. it on my original um, white Game Boy Advance I got from selling good old Dragon Ball GT on eBay and getting like 270 bucks, and then I bought... Game Boy Advance, Circle of the Moon, and what else did I get? I got another game, too. And it was a fantastic purchase. Way better than that crappy Dragon Ball GT original PlayStation release. Yeah, that's for sure. And yeah, I played. It was it was super dark, but I remember... I got through it okay. Oh, I got uh, Mega Man Battle Network. That was the other one. Another freaking fantastic game. Hell yeah, good purchases. Yeah, I mean, Circle of the Moon was really only possible to play in, like, the environment that you could play Boktai effectively, if anybody knows what that game is. That's no, a... actually, that's not true, because the glare, if you took the uh, your Game right. Boy Advance outside, was atrocious. So Boktai you're... was unplayable. And yeah, ba- ba- Boktai. Was that another Konami game, actually? And I think, uh, did Kojima work on that one? I'm pretty it sure. Did. It It uh, actually yeah. has, on you know, the Mega Man Battle Network 4, it has a Boktai crossover. Nice. It's <laughs> badass. Uh, but but yeah, harmony of dissonance. They they took all that criticism of the game of Circle of the Moon being super dark, and they much like you know Tactics Advance, they they lightened everything up, bright colors, uh, very expressive animations, things like that. And it was it was very playable on the original Game Boy Advance. Not to mention when the the Game Boy SP came out or Game Boy Advance SP came out and it had the the backlight, which made even Circle of the Moon a joy to play. And of uh, dissonance came out to uh, a lot of very positive press back when it released. I mean, most of the Castlevania games on the portables did, uh, but it's the least fondly remembered. Uh, I think most of that has to do with. I, I'm not really sure. But I think a lot of people are just like, well, oh, it has the worst soundtrack in the series. And, uh, just, it doesn't seem like that original of an idea, but it did have some cool ideas to it. The gameplay was solid and I thought the graphics were awesome. I remember, okay, that's the, the one I didn't buy actually. <laughs> Sorry I did distance. I yeah. have Circle the Moon and I think it's because Circle the Moon was the first one in a uh, Aria Sorrow is just fantastic and the best one of the three by leaps and bounds in my opinion so i think it's just kind of the middle child syndrome gets lost in the shuffle i think that guess. i think that could be and i think that one of the other things that happened is so circle of the mood wasn't worked on by uh, koji igarashi but harmony of the dissonance was that was the game that he followed up symphony of the night with and harmony of dissonance plays kind of safe in the fact that Uh, Much like Circle of the Moon, where they return to, like, a standard whip user um, instead of, like, Alucard, who could use, like, a bunch of swords and different pieces of equipment. Harmony of Dissonance does the same thing, where it brings another Belmont into the fray. Uh, (laughs) Juste Belmont, which is basically uh, Alucard in Belmont attire. I don't don't know if that, like, put people off if they were expecting more from it, if they wanted that, you know, that gameplay variety. But it did have some interesting systems uh, built into it. Much like Symphony of the Night, it had two versions of the castle. Um, it had two, like, overlapping versions where if you did something, uh, story specific, like broke a wall or something in one of the, one of the layers, it would break the wall in the, the other layer. And so there was, like, certain, like, puzzle solving aspects, um, interwoven in with the, the Metroidvania exploration and power-ups. So that was kind of cool. Um, and I, we really haven't seen that in the series since. It also had a very standard, like, sub-weapon system. You know, your axes, your holy water, stuff like that. But it also had uh, a very cool ability where you would find, like, different tomes throughout the, the castle. And what you would do is you would combine the sub-weapons with the tomes. And there was, like, seven tomes. And it would give you different, like, magical abilities. Kind of like the, uh, the uh, DSS card system that of the moon. And if anybody has played Lament of Innocence on the PS2, it's a very, very similar system to that, where you got the, the elemental orbs and the sub-weapons, and you would combine them and get different magical abilities. So uh, that was a that was a pretty elegant system, but I think for some people, uh, since that was the first game that IGA uh, worked on, since Symphony of the Night, they were expecting a little bit more. But I don't think that's necessarily fair, because it's still a it's still a really good game, and maybe he was just trying to figure out the Game Boy Advance at that point. I don't know. But uh, it was also in production, like, simultaneously, along with Ari of Sorrow. So, like, Aria of Sorrow came out, like, all those games came out, like, a year apart, basically. And That was, uh, that was a good time. <laughs> yes, it was. And um, I think that was one of the reasons why, uh, while it's pretty rare, uh, Harmony of Dissonance and Ari of Sorrow came out in a double pack on the Game Boy Advance that you can buy. Which is a great deal if you can find it for cheap, but I doubt you can now. Probably not. I'm, I'm sure you own it. I do. I have it sealed. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I, since I own like all the, uh, since I own all the Castlevania games, I was like, well, I don't need to open this. I have all <laughs> the games, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep that one. That's gonna be my special little collector's piece, even though it's not worth nearly as much as those other games if they were sealed. Yeah, that's ironic that it's, that it's not worth as much as either one. I feel like it has to be rarer than both of the standalone versions if it's not worth as much. Yeah, yeah, you would the think so. Of it, game. It, it is odd, uh, but it's like really like lame package. It's like two like small box it's art have, like gifts of like the, the game the, the original game's box art and this is just a double pack. It looks like it looks like Target like boxed the games together themselves. <laughs> so So it's not a great display piece, but it but it's cool because it's it's obviously one of the less common Castlevania games that you can own. And, and those are two really good titles, um, even regardless of how Harmony of Dissonance's reputation has kind of waned over the years. It's it's still a solid so remember, title. It reviewed very well back in the day. It was getting like yeah. eights or nines. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's still a great game. I go back and play it every couple of years, just like the rest of them. Yeah, so this is the first Metroidvania Castlevania <laughs> that I had on my list. So that's pretty well, exciting. That is. And, uh, yeah. ironically, and saying that it's gonna... my least favorite, uh, get ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, ironically, we're staying with the Game Boy Advance. I promise we didn't plan this. But my next one, Circle the Moon <laughs> Castlevania Jeez. Circle of the Moon. Perfect. What a good transition. So, what, you held <laughs> off talking a lot of sugar on it. <laughs> I feel like I had to because it's coming up right now. That's right. But yeah, a... that was it was a uh, launch title with the Game Boy Advance that had. They may have had some of the best launch games of a console I can remember. Yeah, I don't remember any of them except that one. Choo Choo Rocket came out as a launch title. Oh, oh shit. Okay, never mind. Super, Super Mario Advance, which was like the first remake, I, I believe, of Mario 2, which is, you know, still a good game. Yeah. And uh, Konami Crazy Racers. How can you forget about the Konami Kart ripoff with uh, Goemon yeah. and company? Yeah, who knows? Who knows how I forgot? <laughs> Tony Hawk 2, <2? laughs> that was on there too. I bet that wasn't good. Actually, it was surprisingly decent. Oh no shit. Like, shockingly good for a handheld. Well, I mean, Tony, Tony Hawk 2 was just like perfect all around, so. That's Don't true. Surprise. I guarantee Tony Hawk 2 <laughs> on Game Boy Advance is better than Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 on PS4 and Xbox One. That was a mess, but uh, <laughs> sidetracked again for Circle of the Moon. And uh well we kinda covered it a little bit, you just talked about it, and this is the one that I literally haven't played since I think two thousand one. That's okay. I've played it within the last two years, so I can have Okay. I haven't played it since O two. I remember the magic system uh being pretty awesome. I think there were like was there twenty different basically magic cards you combine and get different abilities, is that right? Am I yeah, remembering the, this? It was, right? it, yeah, no, it was the DSS card system is like a dual System something. I don't remember exactly. But yeah, you had 10 cards and you, and, and very much like I was mentioning, like combining sub weapons and these tomes and harmony of dissonance, you had these two rows of cards, you combined them and they all made individual, you know, magical abilities. And there was, you know, like I said, over, over a hundred of them. So, well, of there good was, stuff. Yeah, I remember you could basically like get elemental whips and stuff because I remember we were talking about the darkness. I remember uh, making my dude or have like the fire elemental whip quite a bit because your whole guy would like turn orangeish yellow, and he'd be really easy to see on the screen, yeah, sometimes you had to you had to hack the game a little bit like that. like I don't think I don't think people understand. like go back and try it if you have the opportunity. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm sure when you replay it now, like when I replay any Game Boy Advance games and I get out the Gamecube. And have the adapter so I can play them on the TV. So that's not an issue anymore. Or if you have like a backlit system, original DS, everything's fine. But if you have the original GBA like we did that's not backlit, it's rough. The nightmare. <laughs> but uh, this it was actually the first Metroidvania I played because I didn't play uh, Symphony of the Night before that. I didn't own Symphony of the Night until like sometime like 03 or 04-ish and I got this one in a 01. Yeah, I think the first time you got to play Symphony of the Night was the, the day my memory card died. <laughs> that could Glor- be. Glorious. That's really? another, that's a That's story for another time. Oh <laughs> yeah, I just remember just the whole thing, and it, like I said, it was one of the games I got at launch with the Game Boy Advance, that, and uh, Mega Man Battle Network, so I was more than happy to put the time into it, and I I remember it being actually a little bit difficult for a Metroidvania. Most of them I find pretty easy. I remember this one was like a tad harder than most of the other ones, or for sure Aria of Sorrow. Yeah, uh, right? besides, besides maybe Order Order of Ecclesia, which is the last one on the DS, it was easily the most difficult. Especially, it had the it had one of the hardest final Dracula battles in the entire series, bar like maybe Rondo of Blood. Okay, because That's a lot of being, detail. I remember it being a little bit hard. I don't remember. Like I said, the memory's a little fuzzies. Is going back about 18 or so years since I put much time into it, and I I beat it a couple times. I don't think there was like an upside down castle or anything extra, was there? No, but it did have something very cool in the fact that every time you beat it, uh, you unlocked a new mode, which gave your your character like different statistical bonuses, like you it on the default difficulty and then the next one be like oh well now you can play it as a magician where you'd start with all the DSS cards right out of the gate you'd have much higher intelligence and you could just kind of like blow through the game after that you'd become like a fighter where you couldn't use magic but your strength was like quadrupled at the beginning and you had all kinds you had, a, you, had you had like seven different variations on that which maybe was that's cool. why I played it a second time because I remember going through it again yeah I mean that, that's that's a that's a good enough reason, I think. Must have went through as a magician then, because all the elemental powers. That was especially back in the day. That was really cool, because you gotta realize at the time, this, there weren't fifty-seven thousand Metroidvanias up on Steam. You could just pick and choose. Like it was a, it's just becoming a genre basically. You know, they, were, they was, were special then. Oh, they were super special, because you gotta realize too. After Super Metroid, we didn't get another Metroid until Fusion in four, I believe. Which was late on the Game Boy Advance, and then we only had that and uh, Symphony of the Night. That was it. So, Metroidvania was just. Well, and Zero Mission. Zero Mission was after uh, Fusion, I believe. No, definitely. Okay, yeah. So, when Circle of the Moon came out, we literally had two games in this, you know, Metroidvania genre. But Circle of the Moon was great. It It was a great introduction, especially for. Uh, new people wanting to get into the Castlevania series, it kind of kept that that standard, you know, whip user gameplay, but it had that cool interconnected castle, the the fun RPG elements, but not too much. Like there wasn't like a ton of extra equipment you could get for your character, but the the DSS card system, there was a lot of experimentation that you could do with that, and a lot of different strategies, and frankly, a lot a of ways to break, break the game. There. No, there was a leveling system. Yeah, you could go oh, okay. up to. 99, um, but if you knew how to use the DSS system and you knew like where to get the specific cards, there was definitely ways you could break it. Especially with like the summoning card, you could just do like screen clearing attacks the whole time. So uh, <laughs> I had to bust that back out and see how high leveled I was. That's a good follow up to Hermit distance It was a uh, just ironic being back to back. I thought you were gonna say Circle the Moon. and I was like, seriously, we're gonna be talking about the same game. Yeah, I would have never anticipated that was gonna happen. And <laughs> we'd line up perfectly. It's been but, so far a lot of Game Boy Advance too. Oh I'm actually continuing the trend. Man. Mind you. Yeah. Uh I'm doing a twofer on this one. Um, uh, just because I, I want to. <laughs> and this was a game I know that you don't much care for. And for me, it took me several entries, several attempts to get into this game. And this is one of the the classic RPGs on the console, and that ah, is Golden, Golden Sun one and, and two, <laughs> Isaac and Bros on their fantastic quest to save the world. And ah, I don't know why I can never get into those. That's the weird thing. So I was super hyped for it back in the day. I I get it. Like, but I don't know why we couldn't get into it. Like literally took me like three or four attempts. I didn't actually I couldn't actually play more than, like, an hour or two of it up until, like, my freshman year of college. So, like, 2007. I think, yeah. And I finally it's right got... The, it's right around the time I finally got into Chrono Trigger after a gazillion attempts, so I get it. Yeah, that's crazy that you couldn't get into Chrono Trigger right away. I mean, it makes more sense that I couldn't get into Golden Sun. I don't know. Golden Sun's obviously not as good of a game. But... Definitely a classic on the Game Boy Advance. One of the most beautiful Game Boy Advance games there is. Like, those graphics were great. They still look pretty good. Yeah, they do. The animations are cool. I think Golden Sun still holds up really well, but, I mean, a good RPG holds up unlike most good action games of their day. I mean, Golden Sun, the, the series in general, I don't really love... uh What was it? Dark Sorrow? What was the third one called? The one on DS? Yeah. Like Dark Sun, something like that. I don't remember. The first Golden two Sun, I Dark know Sun. I know a little bit about the story and the first two are kind of like a package. They connect together. So. Yeah, that's why that's why I combined them. They are part one and part two of a story, and you transfer data from the first one into the second one. You can bring your characters over your equipment and your uh, little magical buddies, your the you your just your gens. Yeah, I, I, really I don't know. Said. Is that D silent? I could never figure that out. Is no it like the mustard, fact, like Dijon, or is it <laughs> just gin? Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll <laughs> go with that. Some spicy, fancy mustard. <laughs> but, I mean, Golden Sun was just like a really, really solid RPG for the Game Boy Advance. For anybody who... It was actually one of the first sets of games that even came out for it, wasn't it? It was pretty yeah, early. It Game Boy Advance launched in, like, March, I want to say March or April, maybe, of... 01 and this came out like June or July. Like it was, this, close. was months, but... this was actually August. This was actually okay. August, but yeah, pretty close. It was that summer, good memory. I good memory. I don't know why I'd ever question it. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Golden Sun had a a, a couple of like very cool uh, battle mechanics that I've I've never seen used since, and I think that's a shame. Uh, for one, um, you had these these psi energy powers, which are just basically. Uh, magical abilities, but the cool thing is in, in, like, basically any RPG that I really love, you could use these magical powers on the field map, and you solve puzzles, which was very cool, and I'm surprised that that didn't speak to you a little bit. So is it kind of like a, a Lufia 2 kind of vibe, or? It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like a Lufia 2, like, where you can, like, you, like, move, move pedestals, you can burn vegetation, you can, like, make, like, tornadoes that'll, like, throw you up in the air get you up to like higher ground stuff like that I mean there's there's a ton of them but uh you get these powers imbued on your characters while you're while you're on your your grand quest you you recruit these these let's just call them dJs how about that that's what I'm gonna there call go. them, the dJs uh you <laughs> find them throughout the map and they're kind of like Pokemon they're these little elemental uh doodads and uh I think there's like I don't remember how many there are, but there's like forty or fifty of them. And you can you can apply them to your characters, you can equip them and they come in different elements and depending upon who you equip them to and how like the like if you put like two earth ones or three fire and two air ones on one character, um, they'll learn different magic spells. So like if you have all of your earth ones on one character on one character, they'll have like a bunch of like stone spells, boulder things like that. But if you like kinda like materia it's kind of, Yeah, it is kind of like a materia, but you can make like hybrid <clears throat> classes if you combine them to different elements. And yeah. so that's cool. So there's like, so like they're not locked to a character, but uh, your characters do tend to like lend themselves to like a certain element, which is so people who don't like want to participate in that system because it can get kind of complex if you want it to become that way. You can just kind of put all of your materia of one element onto a character and the, onto another. And those are kind of like your standard uh, character archetypes so if that's how you want to play you can do that that's not a big deal but uh, based on the, the spells they learn and the the dgens that they have equipped to them they also get uh, these these cool abilities that you can use the DGens in battle and what it does is they're in like a a set status from the beginning so like if you have them equipped they give you these stat bonuses each one gives you a different type of stat bonuses but you can, you can use them in battle and put them on standby, which is basically like a cooldown, if you will. And they'll do like a certain attack. They'll do like an AoE or like a defensive move or something. All the different elements have different things like that. They'll be on standby. They'll be in reserve. And what will happen is you can use a bunch of them and, and have them at standby. The, the issue is you can do that, and those are strong attacks, but you lose those stat bonuses while they're on standby. So you kind of have to consider your options. But once they're on standby and you have a certain amount of elements, certain amount of these degens on standby, you get access to these like really awesome like summon abilities based on the combination that you have on your your character. So if you have like one air and two fire, you'll summon kind of like this this medium strength mm-hmm. like battle clearing ability, which has these really cool animations, especially on the Game Boy Advance. Just like consider like any of like your 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 summons and like old Final Fantasies, new new Final Fantasies, they got like the cinematic attack. Actually, they remind me a lot of uh, Super Robot Wars animations oh. where they oh, fly really in cool. like that. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty <clears throat> tight, especially like the really high level ones where you have like all of your DJ general on standby and they just have like this god come down and just like Yu-Gi-Oh with everything. So, yeah. so that's cool. Uh, I think you would like these games but it takes a while to get to like all of the the really cool things. So it, it's kind of like your standard RPG where it starts you off with, you know, a limited amount of of functionality and just kind of builds on it. And I know the story didn't really I I know about the story and I know it actually gets really good, but I know it didn't it just didn't hook me at the beginning. It's basically the standard fare of you're a, a kid in a town that gets attacked. You get caught up in this this situation that's larger than yourself. Right? And you kind of yes. have, you and your friends join you, and you're just like, oh, we need to do something about this. They killed our father or whatever. Yeah. That's not exactly what this story is, but, you you know, your your hometown gets, like, destroyed, and you, you're you like, oh, well, these guys did it. We need to go hunt them down. Because you guys have these psi energy powers. You guys are, like, rare beings. So you have the ability to get stronger and, you know, all that RPG stuff. Good. Yeah, you're, you're kind of like X Men to a point. You have these special like powers that make yeah. you special, you, basically. You, yes, you are uncommon yeah. against common people in this in this situation. And you no, know, the story is is nothing great. It's pretty it's pretty common RPG fare. It's fairly like Super Nintendo standard RPGs. You'd, like you remove your Chrono triggers and your Final Fantasies, you could think about the other kind of like middle road RPGs. That's kind of where your your story falls. I've and, heard though that the second one, I, everything kind of flips it on its head. Is that true? Um, sort of. I don't really want to spoil anything. Yeah. For that, but let me, I want I want to go back to a previous another point I wanted to make. The game is overly chatty. Like there is so much text going on, and if that's one thing that puts you off from it, I understand. Like literally, the characters will just sit in a building and just spew out like sixty lines of ridiculous <laughs> nonsense that nobody needed to hear. And that's frustrating. That's one ding I will have against the game that I definitely don't like. But, like you were saying, Golden Sun the original, you have your four main characters. Um, And then at the end of it, you can take those four main characters and import them into the second game, like using a code. You take all your equipment, your degens, and your levels, and then there's like a second party in the second game that you go through the story with, but then eventually you you combine your party, and you have an eight-party band of brothers, and uh, you just decimate the world. So that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very good uh, kind of kind of standard fair RPG, but I uh, I definitely have to admit there's some very cool uh, RPG mechanics with the Dgens uh, combat and character customization that I think are wholly unique to the RPG. Genre that I think people need to not overlook. I think it's very cool. Yeah, one of these days I'm gonna. Actually, I don't know. If the backlog is the backlog is real. I was gonna say one of these days I'll try and attack those too, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think you should, but I I, I understand that issue is real. Especially with time in RPGs these days, it's hard in general. Yeah, Golden Sun. They're you know they're like twenty thirty hour. okay that's a good a good mark at least otherwise anything over for sure over 40 hours anymore it's like a turnoff for me no i get that so what what other Boy advance (laughs) game are we talking about today please (laughs) we're jumping over to the ds actually
1: all right well that's that's an
0: easy transition and i don't think you've ever played this game you may have played my version of it's actually an import game you may have On on the DS? I don't remember. Oh, Battle Star, Jump Battle Star. Jump Ultimate Stars. Got it. (laughs) AKA basically Smash Brothers with anime characters. with Shonen Jump characters. Great idea. And it's worlds better than the the games that are coming out now. Those weird 3D brawlers that all kind of suck. Those just look like cinematic, like, third-person garbage. They look cool on the surface, but they're not good fighting games. No, they're not good at all. And they're also fighting games where every single character plays the exact same, which is super annoying. Mm, my favorite. Yeah. Cause, and you just basically, like you said, it looks really cool at the beginning. It's something that's cool for like an hour. You hit circle and they do an epic move and then that's about it. Okay. There's but almost too many of those games out there now. Well, let's I get ba- Let's get to the good stuff. Yes, Jump Ultimate Stars. It's like I said, it's a, a 2D fighter where you go in and it's all of the Shonen Jump pantheon of people. So we're talking like Dragon Ball, Naruto, Bleach, One Piece. Yugi! Uh, yeah, definitely Yu Gi Oh! He's in there. And uh, Yugi's in there. It's Some people are only assist trophies. Like I think Yugi was just an assist. Same with uh, Light from Death Note. It's just like an assist. And I mean, Pretty much straight up, it's like a, a 2D, like a Smash is 2D, like a sweet hand-drawn 2D Smash Brothers type fighter. It's up to, you know, four players, so it's a, like a four-player free-for-all or two-on-two. And then you can have a team of up to, I think you get up to like six people on your team, but it's kind of like uh, like Capcom versus SNK2, where you can have someone that's like a, a level three and then a level two, or you can have like six level ones type thing. Oh, so it's also kind of like uh, Skullgirls, except for yes, the I fact that you can... Use... Girls, <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> yes, I have played Skullgirls, but... Okay, that's that's more of a modern uh, representation of that system that people people may know. Okay, but yeah, it's like a tiered thing, so you can have basically six, like, not-so-strong characters, or you could have one, like, huge rip dude, like a, you know, Super Saiyan 3 Goku or something, and it might be like a 6 versus... You know, some random joke character or something, or just like Yugi in a one or one, whatnot. Gotcha. Just like Skullgirls. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> just like Skullgirls. Yes. Dead <laughs> Ringer. Yeah. I haven't played those. They're supposed to be pretty good. No, they are pretty cool. I, I played a little bit at a buddy's house. They're pretty. They're pretty legit, legit games. But uh, won't get off topic there. If there's one thing that I remember about that game, and I'm, I'm not sure that this is this is crystal clear. Uh, it definitely had really cool uh, fighting mechanics, but did it have, like, items that you could pick up and use? No, I don't believe it did. Everyone yep. just had their own, like, unique powers and stuff. Okay. I don't think it had items, because so I remember, like, the coolest, like, the biggest draw, one of them is, besides just the fighting system be good, was, like, the characters. I could have like... Oh, hell yeah. Gohan from DBZ, and then, like, like Karama or Hiei from, like, Yu Yu Hakusho, and then, like, like, Kenshin from Rony Kenshin, or, you know... Ringy from Bleach, like, all kinds of, you know, cool people on your team at one time, which you can't get those people together in, like, a, a decent game these days, it seems like. Yeah, that's but unfortunate that they never brought that to the console over here. I have a feeling they probably did that in Japan, but I could be wrong. Um, they never brought it to a console in Japan, either. Really? And they just never brought it over here because, I guess, there were too many people... Mad about the rights back then, which I guess apparently they don't care anymore. They obviously got that ironed out because all those anime games, like those Shonen Jump games, come over here now. Yeah, which is weird because that was always a thing. They're saying like Naruto's owned by Viz and DBZ's owned by Funimation and then whoever owns like Fist of the North Star, or Saint Seiya, because there's a there's a ton of franchises and characters in that game from all kinds of basically every anime you could think about, especially going through college. Like, I was really big into anime. It's kind of fallen by the wayside just for, you know, time constraints these days. But, yeah, that hit me at the perfect time. I like got it in, like, 07, and, yeah, game like was sweet. Yeah, was that, a, was that a game that took advantage of the second screen on the DS? I can't remember. God, it's been a while. I want to say, I think... The entire map was both screens, like it was. Oh, like so it contrafought it? Nice. Yeah, cool. both of them, because it was it was a big deal. Here you know that the second screen? Now I'm thinking about it, the second screen might have been like your team or assist or something. Now I'm going to have to go back and play it. Yes, yeah, you say I don't I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I'm asking the hard questions here. I apologize. Yes, what does this screen look like? <laughs> I don't remember. Besides what the a... one you fought on. <laughs> It's on your top hundred. You need to remember these details for me. I remember actually going on trying, found my way online with it at least, fought some random people in Japan. That was pretty cool. I'm sure that worked out well. It's like they can get online and we can like actually fight people. It had better netcode than Smash Ultimate. I'll give it that. Well, doesn't take much. <laughs> now, I can't remember if you played that game or not, but yeah, it's definitely one to to check out. And it's better than. uh like, J-Star's Victory Versus or whatever uh, the current one is. Out that now. was that was one of those games. I got to play a lot of games kind of, like, uh, secondhand from you. Like, when you guys were sitting around playing Halo and I needed something to do, you were like, here, check this out. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Yeah, so I got to play a lot of Both interesting games in that environment. Because I <laughs> Shoot, sucked so bad at Halo, you know. nobody would let me play. And I, mean, the, you were, you and, and I didn't really care. <laughs> You didn't really like Halo, and you were definitely a liability. <laughs> oh, for sure. But yeah, Jump Ultimate Stars, check it out. Yeah, yes. Have they have they released any other ones over in Japan like since? Like for no, the 3 or transitioned like the full console releases because they have. we got the J Stars Victory Versus, and the one, what's the one that just came out like in February? Oh boy! I thought that was just like, shh, like Jump Ultimate Stars. No, that's maybe. I thought it was. I can't remember, but it doesn't yeah. look good, and it's not supposed to be good. I just I just downloaded it on Game Pass, so we'll see what happens. That's good. Well, I mean, I, I think it would be like cool to just maybe like watch like the super attacks once. That might be yeah, worth I think your it's, time. Yeah, it's going to be a game probably be cool for like an hour or two, and then it's going to get really old. Yeah, it's like it's kind of a a spectacle piece of art, and then after that, it's just well, the mechanics suck. It'd be a game back in the day, it'd be a rental. It'd be a weekend, then probably never want to touch it Oh, any. dude, if that came out back in the day, though, we would've ate it up. Well, yeah, that came out, like, before all the anime stuff was wide stream, yeah, that would've been, like, the greatest thing ever, but, yeah, like, these days... I mean, like, you were excited about GT it when it came out. I was super excited about GT, and that was just sad. Well, I think talking about GT is a good time to transition to my next game. Oh. And that's one that we have talked about previously. Uh, Bucket was on your list, and that is Beat Hazard. So oh, I think this is go. the first game that we've, is this the first game we've shared across our lists? Could be. I believe so. So we won't, we won't talk that much about it, but Beat Hazard 1 and 2 are just like this really original, uh, game idea where you import your music into the game and the game creates levels based on the music that you have either on your computer or on your console and it like i like to describe it, it's like high stakes asteroids like really intense graphically intensive uh and and depending upon the music you're listening to uh you can kind of like customize the mood and difficulty of, of the uh the experience even though sometimes you'll get thrown for a loop to be sure yeah that's uh, that's definitely the case and I don't know, it's just one of the games that, to me, it just screams, like, just the power of the people and, you know, indie game design in general. Because no studio would have came up with an idea like this. I mean, this screams, like, original indie game. And, yeah, and it was made by one dude. Yeah, before, what is it, like, the last console generation, like, the, the 360, you know, PS3, and I'll just throw Steam in there, too. Before that generation, we had never got experience, like classics like Beat Hazard. Yeah. yeah, it came out on the PC for sure. And I mean, that was, it was easy for you to obviously upload any of the music that was, was on your console or on your PC. Obviously, Buck used to bring over Burn CDs and just upload them onto my <laughs> yes. console. And they would have no names. I'd have no idea what songs I was going to play. He's just like, this is going to be fun. I'm like, all right. Thankfully, we could get a preview of, you know, Untri- Untitled Track 3 and hear a little bit about what it was before we jumped in. Yeah, uh, but it, it it was always fun regardless. And it's a as a as a gamer um, outside of like you know Rock Band and Guitar Hero, it's it's one of the most fun ways to just like engage in music and games simultaneously and get kind of a unique experience. And Beat Hazard, Beat Hazard two, they're both very inexpensive games. You can find them for like ten to twenty bucks and easily on sale a lot of the times. And and one of the big things is Beat Hazard 2 just like came out I think it was last year and it allows you to actually play games from streaming services and it, it uh, it'll like uh, it'll like Shazam the song that's on the on Spotify or whatever and it will it'll label it and depending upon what scores you get because it is like like I said it is like asteroids so you're like destroying ships for high scores and things like that you're getting power ups mm-hmm. and whatnot. And it will up, upload your score for that song onto the server, even though it's like not a song you have on your local hard drive or anything like that. And it will, it'll, it'll keep leaderboards and things like that, even just for streamed music. And that's, that's a pretty cool improvement. And that's the, the, the biggest reason why you'd want to get, get into Beat Hazard 2 as opposed to the original. Yeah. So you can, you know, match up against the rest of the world to see how high you are on, you know, like the stutter remix by Joe and Mystical see if you're the best person in the world at that or something. And you may be number one because nobody else has played it, but that's a shame. <laughs> Joe himself may be number one. We don't know. Well, if that was true, there must be a god. <laughs> because <laughs> that's just good stuff. <laughs> uh, it, it can't be, like, emphasized enough. It's it's just a great game to kind of chill to. It would be one of the first games that we'd throw in if we were trying to figure out like, what games we were going to play that night or whatever. We would put that on, we'd, we'd catch up, talk about life and just uh, <laughs> listen to some good music. So, Yeah, it certainly helps if you have, we have kind of a lot of the same, you know, at least taste for genres and music, so that that helps too. Yeah, and I mean, it, with, with gameplay like this, you can even appreciate different genres if they're not your favorite. Because it, it's actually interesting, like slow, like R&B songs, and just seeing how they're different than, you know, like a Metallica or like an Iron Maiden song. Because based on, you know, how the music is played, uh, the, the enemy spawn rates will slow down and, uh, the levels fire will be... Your firepower slows down? Your firepower slows down to compensate. And then when everything gets real banging during like a, uh, a guitar solo or something like that, everything just kind of speeds up. The graphics increase and get all flashy. And it's, it's just another thing that just kind of gets you a little bit more engaged with the music. It, it is just an ingenious idea. Yeah, like you said, you may be surprised by, like, there could be a slow R&B jam that has just a huge, like, bass line, and it might be just a ridiculously hard song because the bass is just cranked up. You never knew until you actually played the song. Some Metallica song might be hardly anything, and then you throw on, you confessions. know, the Usher song. Yes, yeah. Confessions, <laughs> and then you get destroyed. Yeah, very, very interesting. It might even be for like people who, you know, have a hard time like getting on a streaming service and just like listening to new music. If you really like playing video games and maybe that gives you the opportunity to do something while you're listening to other like new music and discover it uh, while you're obviously getting to game something else you really like doing. So that might that might be a thing. I don't know. That's a I, idea. I've never actually done that myself, but it was something that I would, if I had the time, I'd be more interested in because I don't, I don't discover a lot of music now. It's not something that I have a whole lot of time to sit down and just be like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to the radio for a while, or who does that? It's kind of gone by the wayside, especially now. Like we're we're doing a podcast now. A lot of times when I'm in the car off the road, like a podcast or something, I'll sit and listen to new music too. So getting oh, mad yeah. about that. Yeah, the the, the times are changing for sure. But yeah, Beat Hazard, check it out. Buck, what well, else you got? I got a couple more, so I believe we're up to number uh, 82, is that right? Yes, I have one more left. So. Alright, well I'm jumping on, it's going to be the first entry from one of my favorite series that we're going to hear a lot more from coming up, and that is good old Mega Man. <laughs> the first one I'm going to talk about is from the original series. It's going to be a kind of a controversial one because most people don't really care for this game, but I think it's fantastic and super underrated, and that's good old Mega Man 8. That is I a good mean, one. Besides the fantastic voice acting, which is probably some of the worst voice acting <laughs> known to man, but it's well, so... PS, the PS1 has some of the most beloved voice yes. acting I've, I've ever heard. Between the Saturn and the PS1, it's magic. Oh, yeah. And the same cast came back for... Uh, for Mega Man X4, thankfully, reprised a lot of their great roles. Way to go, Capcom. I <laughs> hope happening? you didn't pay him much. Yeah, no kidding. But it's, it's one of those, that's so bad it's good voice acting. and The, the cutscenes themselves are actually really cool. Uh, anime cutscenes, is kind of rare to get back in the day. The gameplay, of course, I mean, it's classic Mega Man. It's fantastic. Jump and shoot man, as they call him. I don't know who hasn't played a Mega Man game these days. Probably if you're listening to this podcast, you've more than likely played a Mega Man game at some point. But if not, you go through levels, you uh, jump, you shoot, you go left or right, and it's a really good time. You fight a boss, get their power at the end. And this is, of course, the good old eighth installment of it. And the biggest thing is the graphical leap. And I think Mega Man 8 still looks really, really, really good with the animation to this day, one of the best looking 2D games that, I mean I think it looks better than Mega Man 11 personally. Uh I can't disagree with you there. Uh the the animation is really good. Uh it, Is it all completely hand drawn? I can't remember. It's been a long yeah, time since I played it. Yeah, it's 100% hand drawn animation. So it looks I mean just ridiculously fluid. It looks fantastic. And yeah, it will it will, it will that, age well forever. Yes, it, it certainly will. It doesn't have that uh I hate that 2D, 2.5D, 2D, 3D mix-up, like, style Like Darius. That, <laughs> that I just said I loved, yes. Contradicting myself. Thank you for pointing that out, Jeff. Yeah, no, no, they they did a good... I, I, I completely understand how you feel about that. Like, that's how I felt about when they re-released uh, uh, Castlevania Rondo of Blood for the PSP, and they made that 2.5D remake of it, and I was just like, okay. <laughs> I think it makes it look budget instead of, it. yeah, it just makes it look worse. Like, the hand-drawn looks worlds better. But the animation aside, I mean, it looks fantastic. But most importantly, the game plays um, super well. It's traditional Mega Man ads core. Except there are some levels, too, where you actually go through, um, like, basically shmup levels. Which was a first in the Mega Man series You get power-ups and they're flying stages And you get joined by All your companions Rush, Otto, Eddie uh, Beat, the whole crew And did you play much X-8? Or not X-8 Mega Man 8 uh, Well, well, I'll answer the first question No, (laughs) I haven't played X-8 I should, because it's not bad No, it's not not great But it's certainly not bad There's no X-7 Um... (laughs) I don't believe I ever finished eight, but I at least got up to the uh, special levels. I I defeated all of the uh, robot masters, and uh, the one thing I do remember spe- there's two things that I remember specifically. I love the soundtrack. It has one of the best ones outside of like Mega Man two two yeah and seven. Two and three. I I love seven soundtrack too, but you know it Mega Man nostalgia, you, but it's good. <laughs> Mega Man songs are good. Let's put it that <laughs> yeah. way. But other than that, I remember it, it took kind of, like, the the power-up, like, bolt system that Mega Man 7 had and kind of added many more features where you could actually customize, yeah. like, your Mega Buster and things like that that I thought were very cool, and I would have liked for them to continue that on. Yeah, you could turn to like, a, a laser beam or an explosive arrow. And I, you said you stopped it like you got to the the special levels and didn't get past there. It has actually the hardest special level I think I've ever played, as far as it's a like a pure snowboarding level. The first one. Oh, that's probably where I stopped then. I don't actually I remember that, but it sounds awesome. Like in the the, the regular eight stages in Frostman's level, they go through a sn- the snowboarding section. Do you remember? It's like jump, jump oh yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, no, no, how can you forget that? <laughs> like, oh my god you go through a couple of those and i mean the first one's easy the second one in that stage is a little more difficult but the one in the the first one the wily stage is insanely difficult like the the jump is crazy like it'll probably jump in difficulty that is So it's it's like is it like low stakes battle toads hard yeah i mean it's obviously it's yeah, it's a lot lower stakes because you have unlimited continues. But yeah, it reminds me a lot of the uh, the Jet Bike levels in Battletoads. Perfect. Perfect. Maybe I just really sucked when I was playing as like a 10-year-old in 97, but it was No, rough. I think I think a lot of people complain about that. So, but uh yeah, I mean just like the the animations, the music, the obviously the standard classic Mega Man gameplay uh, that hadn't really evolved at that point. Too much, but it didn't really need to. Like, I mean, they perfected it almost out of the gate, especially after the first one. Um, and that was, that was like, like I said, I was like ten at the time and had experienced basically all the Mega Man's up to that point. And this was like between the cutscenes and the the new graphics, it was like um, it felt like a mind blowing jump to the next generation. I was super happy with, it. and I thought Duo was a pretty cool character too. Yeah, Duo wasn't bad. Well, I I still prefer Seven. Uh, over 8, I think it, it was definitely a a great uh, upgrade to the series overall. And I mean, it, it, it's honestly too bad that that's where the original series like died up until when 9 and 10 came, and then they went back to like the retro style. Um, it would have been nice to see what they could have done with that hand-drawn animation, even though we'll never see that again. Unfortunately not. It would probably take too, way too much time and effort. Like, I yeah. feel like the close thing we're going to get to like a new, I don't know, like Mega Man, Mega Man X, those Azure Striker Gunvolt games are surprisingly good. I don't know if you check those Did out. Did you get that but... new? I think there's one coming out for the Switch here shortly, or it may have already come out. I think it I think it either it either just came out or it's going to come out soon. I'm definitely going to check it out because it's probably only 10 or 15 bucks. No, I think it's like 40 I think it's like a, a full mm-hmm. release. Yeah. Is it actually getting a physical release? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm not paying forty bucks for like an eShop game unless I'm getting a cartridge. Well, yeah, I know that the the digital copy is is forty dollars, so um, we'll see. I don't know the other ones. Some of the other ones got physical copies, so I know and it's got a, a good physical series. Physical copy on, like the Wii U, so yeah, it's a it's a good spiritual uh follow up to Mega Man. It's pretty cool. Because if they're going mobile with Mega Man, and we're not getting an X Nine. That's just gonna suck. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking there. That's like the first misstep Capcom's had in like a year and a half. That's Two true. Years. That's like Madness. So. Since infinite. <laughs> <laughs> Since infinite. Yeah. Yeah, no, Mega Man 8. That's a good one, man. Yeah. What's your what's your last one for the countdown today? Ah, uh, my last one. A I feel like a a forgotten gem from the PS2 era. I loved this game. This was this was one that definitely didn't take me any time to get into and i played it for a couple weeks straight and it was uh after i got done with it, it it was a game that i lauded as my my favorite ps2 game uh easily uh probably not now i think there's there's at least uh one or two other ones that would probably surpass oh. it but this is this is an rpg that i feel like doesn't get talked about a whole lot and it was one of the uh First RPGs that uh, Level Five ever released, even though it was after two of their uh, oh, I know classics, <laughs> uh, Dark Cloud One and Two were the the first two that I think they had on consoles. And uh, this one built on like the gameplay and like the the crafting systems and things like that. But this game took all of that and just kind of blew it up into this so this like epic kind of like Star Wars esque. kind of star wars and cowboy bebop mixed together almost yeah sort of just kind of like this space epic and that is rogue galaxy for the ps2 Uh, a game that i i feel like maybe not a lot of people played because i think it was one that came out towards the the tail end of the the ps2's life talking like oh seven i want to say that might oh six or seven right uh I believe that's true. I did not uh I didn't note that for some reason. But it did get <laughs> released on the PS four, uh in the PS three and PS4, so you can get it on the uh the PS two classics. I think it's like seven, ten bucks. So you don't have to go ahead and go ahead and you know, find that PS two version. I doubt it's really that expensive. In my head too, the PS two one. I remember it looking good, like really good. Oh yeah, it's it's basically like cell shaded but it's not like deep cel shaded where you like that's the first thing you notice you're like that's definitely a cel shaded game but it's very stylized and it, it it's aged pretty well and uh yeah it's it's basically just your your 3D intergalactic space RPG and one of the things that drew me in and it's one thing that RPGs almost never do for me it was the characters and just kind of the story just kind of the adventure that they went on sucked me in that like never happened like I could care less about the story in RPGs typically, but for some reason, this game and the the eight characters that they your your ragtag group of adventurers that they bring in, they all have their own individual backstories and some of them are, you know, kind of kind of sad. some of them are just kind of like, oh, you're just a shitty person, but you're you're trying to make up for that. you know that kind of some of those some of them are generic, but they they come together and they, they help each other out, and you know, by the end of it, it's kind of like Chrono Trigger, where like their their stories have, you know, they have side quests, and their stories kind of resolve by the end of it. If I remember right, too, this game, it not that it didn't necessarily take itself seriously, but like it was way more upbeat than most JRPGs in general. Yeah, it was it was definitely upbeat. There was a there was a lot of humor there. Um, I mean, it had its obviously serious story elements, but I mean, it it was not, you know, like dark and foreboding for the most he part. You didn't have a, a broody protagonist. No, you definitely did Jaster was not. J-A-S-T-R Jaster. <laughs> what a cool name that is. Yeah, it. it, it like I said, it, it's Star Wars-esque. Jaster is, lives on like a, you know, like a, a Tatooine planet, and he's trying to find his way off, and he he gets, uh, he gets mistaken for like this, this legendary bounty hunter, and they take him up on this this uh, couple of the characters take them up on this ship and they become just like space bounty hunters and they're searching for treasure and things like that. So it's not, it's not like a really serious story at the beginning. It's just kind of your average, like anime treasure hunting, you know, you like your outlaw star story, if you will. Yeah. And uh, that's how the, like the first half of the game is. And then they get, you know, caught up in a, a plot of, you know, evil beings and things like that. And, uh, it's just, it, For me, it was just very interesting. And it's a game that I haven't played probably in like seven or eight years. So like the, the plot itself is a little hazy for me. I think it, it's, it's worth anybody's in anybody's time to go check it out, even just for the story itself. But the 3D combat is actually pretty cool, too. Um, it, it does have random battles, but it's one of those games where like you're, you're running through the map you know, looking for treasure, whatever. And the enemies just kind of like pop out of the ground and you fight them and then you keep going. So there's no like load screens, but you can't see them on the map and avoid them, which is a little frustrating, but you get over it because, uh, I'll, I'll talk about some of the other mechanics later, but combat's very important uh, for a lot of different things. But the... The, the 3D combat, you can you can jump, you can you can swing your melee weapon. Everybody's got two weapons, uh, typically a ranged and a melee weapon, but that's not always the case. And you have like this stamina gauge, and uh, you also have a stamina gauge for your sub weapon too. So you kind of have to strategically like uh, balance combat, but not like go all out all the time because you'll you won't be able to do anything for you know like five, 10 seconds unless you defend against an enemy's attack and then you get all your stamina back but you I have remember, a it kind of gave me like a kingdom Hearts ish vibe for the combat if I remember right yeah it has kind of like a slower paced version of uh, Kingdom Hearts combat it's not quite as free flowing I'd say it's a it's a little rougher around the edges but you do have that the ability to to jump and attack and attack while you're in there air kind of do some hang time situations there. And obviously Even you have... The, the resource management, like you talked about, too, with the stamina kind of thing, where there's not really that much in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that that wasn't always necessarily one of my favorite parts of the game, but it, it, it was kind of cool. Um, it was, you know, Dark Souls before Dark Souls, I guess. <laughs> Except um, it wasn't that hard. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, it wasn't that hard. Um, but, but there besides that, I mean, obviously you have, like, your... Your abilities that you use for each one of your your characters—they all have different like abilities to like buff others and you know different like screen clearing moves, whatever. Your your average RPG fare, uh, but it did have a couple of interesting systems, especially for character progression. You had you know level ups and things like that, but you also had uh, this thing called uh, let me see if I can remember it here. I think it's the Revelation Flow system, and basically what it is it's like a sphere grid. Kind of from Final Fantasy X, um, but the way it works is you don't like use your experience points and, and progress through and get those statistical bonuses. You find items in combat or like on a treasure chest, and you use these items in the in the grid itself. So like if you want to learn a move on the grid, you have to have like uh, a butterfly wing and a battery let's say, for example. So you have to find those two items in the game, and then if you find them, you can put them in that that area of the character's grid, and you can learn that move. So it's not based on experience or leveling up, but it's also based on exploration and finding these items. Huh. So so that's that's kind of cool. I'd never seen a game do that before, and that was interesting. Um, it also has a system that it borrowed from Dark Souls, or Dark Souls, not Dark Souls, Dark Cloud. Dark Cloud 2 specifically, where... Uh, you level up weapons and you combine them, kind of like this alchemy system. Uh, you level them up, you combine them, they become a stronger, stronger weapon. And you're kind of just doing that continually, continuously through the whole game. So you get weapons, you use them enough to level them up and then combine them. And, uh, that's, uh, fairly interesting, especially because they all have like unique character models. So you kind of get that little bit of, uh, coolness, I guess. I always appreciate a character model update. When I get new equipment. Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Like a driving factor in MMOs for me, sad as that is. No, I get it. I, it if a game doesn't have that, I'm just like, mm, you're lazy. That's basic. The, the option of, you know, transmog or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's cool. And, I mean, you do that for all of the characters. You have, you have eight characters. And, yeah, it, it's a little bit of micromanaging. I can see why people may not like that. But I thought it was kind of just like, I love like micro progression where you feel like every battle, like somebody's weapon will level up. And after every battle, it always seems like you're you're making progression. So that's good. So it never feels like these random battles are just there to get in your way and slow it down. Yeah. So I was going to say, it's a lot easier to keep going if you get kind of like a baby step rewards from, you know, each battle. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's something I definitely appreciate. And then I mean, among all of that, I mean, it's just got this the, this cool storyline where you're going to different planets with different unique environments and doing your treasure hunting and and whatever else. But it also has it, it also has this like a ton of extra side content too. Like it has a a basically like a Pokemon system where you like capture bugs and you train them and you you enter tournaments on different planets and things like that. It has. It has a an alchemy factory where you like you literally have to like place like different conveyor belts and elements like in this factory and you use it to build like unique items and weapons and things like that. It's pretty intricate um and pretty complex, but it's there. You also have your hunts and your your uh your side quests to go like find like rare enemies and do that, level up. And then you also have like battle tournaments and things that you can do throughout. So there's there's no lack for Various different content along the way if you want to engage in it, and I, I always suggest that people do, because I think it's all very well-tailored to the experience and, and worth it. It's not one that I think it gets a lot of love, so it's good to get a little spotlight on it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely when I want to replay it's, it, it's at the top of my list, for, like the top five like old games right now that I, I really want to spend some time with and go back in and re-verify that I love it as much as I do. Especially since that's really rare, for at least for me, to want to go through and replay an RPG, because it's such a commitment. <laughs> well, it's also one of those things, like, I don't know if you're like me, but I'll be like, yeah, I really want to go back and replay that. And then I play it for five hours, and I'm like, get okay, that was good enough. I don't yeah. need to replay through the whole thing. See, I'm, with RPGs, a lot of times, I don't feel like I can get a good judge of it in, like, five hours. If it's, like, a Mega Man game or something, I'd be like, well, yeah. No, I beat a few well, I, bosses, I'm good. <laughs> well, I'm talking about, like, the, oh, well, I'm talking about the, like, the replay of it yeah uh, I know like uh, it, okay it's, it just seems like it takes a lot of RPGs to me like a while to get going like I'm sometimes I'm bored to death in the first few hours of an RPG Too many of them are boring, especially the start. yeah, it gets rough. My last one today is going to be a, a much more common game than uh than Rogue Galaxy, and it was actually a game that came as a uh, pack in for me with the original Game Boy. But the original yeah, the, Game Boy? Yeah, the original. Uh, Super, Super Mario? Mario Land 2. The, I didn't know you loved that one points. so much. Oh yeah, no, that yeah, that one's fantastic. I was thinking about the original original. No, the they, original one sucks. It's, yeah. you know, the controls are awful, it looks like garbage. But Mario Land 2 is awesome. Yeah, that actually might be my favorite standard Mario game. I love it, that one. It almost feels like like a mario romhack these days it's because they kind of put him in situations like the three little bears or the three little the three little pigs are one of the bosses like it's just all kinds of weird random stuff like he goes to halloween land and one of the the worlds is on the moon and there's no gravity and you're in like a space suit it just doesn't take itself super seriously and it's just a, a ton of fun and one of the one of the best original game boy games for sure oh yeah like it always kind realize... of remind. well oh, go ahead i was gonna say i didn't realize you liked it that much oh i do i remember it was when we'd visit my sister we'd go over there and her husband had that was like one of the very few games he had and he had a game boy color and i used to play that when i visited them and i i liked it a lot uh regardless of maybe if it was because i was bored and i had nothing else to play um uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And it always reminded me of one of my favorite Game Boy games, which was uh, uh the original Wario Land. It always kind of reminded me of like a, a weird hybrid. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense because the Wario Land was technically called Super Mario Land 3. It's just kind of the next evolution. It just felt like they had, even with like Link's Awakening 2 on the Game Boy, it felt like you put the serious stuff on like the Super Nintendo and the Game Boys where you go to just experiment with stuff. Yeah, and it paid off. Is that like the number besides Tetris? Is that like the number one selling Game Boy? Well, probably Pokemon too. Pokemon, probably. Yeah, but I, that would be. My, it's got to be in like the top five for sure. Yeah, that's really good. And I don't. I'm not even that big of a Mario fan. Spoilers. Um, I I very much appreciate that one. I I loved that uh like that like Robot Mario. That you that level. I yeah, it was a world. Was cool. It looked like a, like a when you got in there, like a Mighty Max world. Of it was just it was like Mario's head was the the world map of it. There were just so many cool things in that game. It was a pretty long game too. Like I, if I remember correctly, there was there was at least like thirty or forty levels, but maybe I'm wrong. There was I mean you had to get the six coins from from the world, and then you went to to Mario's castle. If I remember right, so I'm gonna say there's probably 30 levels, six times five ish. Yeah. So probably 30-35 levels. I mean, that was especially for the Game Boy, that was a lot. So just to jump on the graphics. The Super Mario Land, the original one, is kind of like the Mario One style graphics, which is they look super primitive in comparison to like Super Mario Land 2, took the uh, the Super Mario World slash Mario 3 style graphics. So the graphics were definitely a huge step up. And then the controls in the original Mario Land were super floaty or Mario Land 2's controls just nailed it and everything controlled perfectly. Yeah, no, it felt like Uh you're like the Mario games that we expected at that point. And that was great. And the fact that it obviously was portable and it was a pretty lengthy game. Yeah, that was just a bonus. Like a lot of games you got for the Game Boy were pretty short and to the point, especially early on. So. That was a that was yeah. a great game. Yeah, probably my well, besides Pokemon, it's probably my most played original Game Boy game. And I just replayed it like a, about a year or so ago. Still holds up really well. Still an awesome game. Yeah, I mean those Mario games probably always always will. So that that's that's the that's the beauty of uh, how perfect uh, the 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 level design and the, just the, like the game feel itself is. Uh, Nintendo uh, nailed that out of the gate. I don't know. How did they how did they mess up the first one on the Game Boy so bad? What was the deal with that? I wonder if they had like a real rushed like, development cycle or just uh, kind of the, the first people throwing something at the wall to see what would stick and what they could really do with the Game Boy. That's my guess. They just didn't know what they had in the hardware, I would guess. But I don't know. I never even owned the original one. I mean, my cousin Monk had it. Yeah, yeah, it's un it's unfortunate, but it definitely didn't hurt the sales of the Game Boy by any stretch of the imagination. So I think Nintendo's gonna be fine. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good list right there. Uh ending it with Mario. Yeah, what did we start it with? What did I would I lead off with? Oh Darius. Yeah. Is it so, <laughs> yeah. So some quality games there and it just repped the Game Boy Advance to death. So, and, I, and the Game Boy Advance deserves that it. it's a it's a quality system, and a, there's there's many more titles to come. I have zero doubt. And uh, so I appreciate you guys listening to the episode. As usual, we'd like to uh, hear feedback from you guys. So let us know if you liked the episode if you have any uh, comments and memories of the games that we played. Uh, and, and definitely, you know, drop a comment on, you know, your favorite games of all time too. Always interesting to have that discussion. Uh, you guys can find us obviously on, uh, iOS and SoundCloud. That's the, the easiest ways for you guys to be able to listen to the podcast. And, uh, on SoundCloud, you can obviously interact with us there as well. But, uh, you can also, uh, hit us up on Twitter. And you can find us at Buckchuck Gaming, uh, on Twitter. And, uh, obviously, again, thanks for listening, guys. And, as always, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. You've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thanks, guys.